following is a paid program on 630 WLAP. This is the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome to the camp. I guess you all know why we're here. My name is Tommy, and I became aware this year. If you want to follow me, you've got to play pinball. And put in your earplugs, put on your eye shades, you know where to put the cork. I knew she had something up her sleeve. Start spreading the news. I'm leaving today. I want to be a part of it. New York, New York. Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. I bet you're wondering why we're playing New York, New York. It's because we've got a great New Yorker joining us today. It's Jim Grant. Uh, we've had a, a good couple of guests today, and he will not disappoint. So without further ado, joining us, Darsh Meshru, Philip Sexton, and over to our host, Tom Dupree. You turned that off pretty quick. I don't know what happened. It was right. just too much of a good thing. James Grant is... Uh, <laughs> author of Grant's Interest Rate Observer. And these days, uh, he's been looking hard to find if there is an interest rate to observe. Um, So it might be renamed Grant's No Interest Rate Observer. Uh, Anyway, um, Adarsh, Philip, we've uh, been to your uh, conferences. Uh, uh, Jim has been uh, a numerous uh, or uh, an oft times contributor to the Wall Street Journal, the uh, CNBC, Fox Business Network, and and other outlets. He also uh, ha- has written several books. Um, Adarsh's ha- uh, likes the one about the was it the nineteen, the Forgotten Depression. Yeah, yeah, that 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 one, whichever year it was. Twenty twenty one. Yeah, nineteen twenty and twenty one. <laughs> And uh, he, he loves that book and, and quotes it very often. And uh, uh, Jim also puts on a uh, uh, conference, uh, investors conference, uh, every fall and spring, uh, which we have found to contain some pretty good ideas and a few uh, disputable ones. And um, But anyway, Jim, we are so happy to have you on this show today, and we look forward to picking your brain about what's going on in the market these days. Well, it is awfully nice to be here, Tom. And hello, Adarsh, the author of a Millennial to Millionaire. Yes, that, yeah. that was me, yes. Thank you. Yeah. And it's, it's nice to Very talk to you well. again. I think it's been about four or five years since we last interviewed you. Yeah. Well, I, I have accumulated, I'm not sure how many facts, but certainly a number of birthday candles since the last time. <laughs> yeah. Well, you you're probably one of these guys that uh, holds his age quite well. Would be would be my guess. Well, on, on radio, I think I am safe to say just that. Who's going to yes. who's going to know? 
exactly. Well, keep in mind this also is a podcast, so the millennials might get to listen to it too. So, yeah, okay, uh, I'll watch what I say. I'm going to kind of let Adarsh and Philip, uh, who represent the the future of this firm, uh, sort of do some questioning, uh, and and you can take it in the direction you want to go, Jim, but. Uh, uh, they they have uh, questions, and uh, I'm going to let them sort of. Well, youth will be served, so I'm here to serve. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Well, thank you, and thank you again, Jim. Uh, I, I do have a lot of questions, uh, but I, I guess you know, just having read everything that you've uh, written over the years, uh, one of your uh, latest books uh, is about. Uh, Walter Badgett. I still haven't read the book, but I, it's definitely on my list and I'd like to read it. Uh, but just having read a little bit about him, uh, you know, one of the, uh, I guess, things that he's known for is the Badgett uh, dictum. Uh, so I was, I was wondering if, you know, if that dictum, which was about, you know, the lender of last resort, uh, the, what a central bank could do in, uh, uh, in the event of a financial crisis. Uh, so I was wondering if that dictum is still uh, valid today, given that, you know, we've moved away from the gold standard and really, you know, central banking perhaps is not what it used to be. Well, central banking is certainly not what it used to be, nor is it what its uh, founders, at least in this country, could have imagined it would become. Uh, Walter Badgett uh, lived in the middle of the uh, the 19th century. Some have called him the greatest Victorian. He was certainly the greatest editor of the Economist magazine. Whoever came down the pike, he's a man of letters. His family had a bank, and he was a banker. And uh, he wrote a number of books, one of which is uh, uh, it's called Lombard Street. Okay. Lombard Street is, is, the, is the Wall Street of, uh, of London. It's the heart of the financial district. And and Walter Badgett wrote a book to describe what goes on in the banking and uh, fixed income world of that long ago uh, center of business. And um, there's a big uh, controversy there at the time. In fact, that controversy rages still with us today. And the arguments concern what duty, if any, a central bank owed to other banks in the event those other banks got caught overextended during a time of financial stress. You know, so every once in a while, the, you know, someone uh, zigs when he should have zagged, and, uh, and there is a run on a bank and then a run on other banks, and pretty soon depositors are lining up outside financial institutions, and everyone's in a great panic, and securities prices are plunging, so what to do? And Badgett said in a time like that, uh, Central Bank ought to lend freely uh, against uh, good banking collateral uh, to solvent institutions and at high rates of interest. That was the, that was a four part program. Uh, he didn't invent this necessarily, but he, he certainly popularized it. He has become synonymous with that program. And uh, notice the, uh, the last of those stipulations at a high rate of interest. That was because the, uh, he didn't want people to be borrowing money they didn't need. He wanted to ration it uh, you know, prudently. 
that was when you could not just materialize the stuff out of thin air. So, uh, you know, Badgett, uh, you know, if you, if you look at um, uh, the index to Ben Bernanke's uh, memoir of his uh, time at the Fed, especially during the great financial crisis, it's somewhat immodestly titled, uh, I think it was The Courage to Act. Yeah. The title, something like that. He says his wife made him do that. <laughs> yeah. How is it courageous yeah. if you're acting with yeah. other people's money? But anyway. <laughs> right. Right. So that's the kind of courage. It, it's like, uh, anyway. Um, so uh, Bernanke uh, uh, invokes Badgett's name. He cites them more frequently than any living economist in his book in defense of uh, these massive programs of so-called stimulus the Fed rolled out. So this uh, seemingly obscure Victorian is responsible for many of the, or at least is the pretext for many of the economic doctrines that govern our lives today. And um, the question is whether these doctrines are soundly based or are they like so much else that passes for received wisdom in the world of macroeconomics? Are they kind of spinach? <laughs> That's the term in Kentucky, is it not? Yeah, spinach. You mean for for money? Nonsense. Yeah. Nonsense. No, no. No, we use other terms for that. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah. Agricultural. To, yeah. Yeah. Okay. They, we, yeah. Very agricultural, but different. fertilizer. Yeah, yeah. fertilizer. <laughs> um, Jim, I've got a question. This is Philip, by the way. Um, you know, hey, Philip. Uh, good to finally get to talk to you. Um. You know, we've for the past few weeks we've been discussing on the radio show kind of what the the Fed has been doing and and what you know I mean this has been one of the first times that that I know of that the um, Fed chairman has openly called on um, you know policymakers to to invoke more fiscal stimulus. Um, you know, when when reading your manifesto. Uh, you talk about you almost make it seem like it's this this drug when when the Fed comes in and you get these these levels of QE. Um, it's almost like this drug that every time you try to get off of it, you get deeper and deeper into a hole. Um, it, would that be like a, a good turn, like a good way to think about something like that? Or, you know, do, do you see a point I, at which we can get off of the the wagon, I guess? Yeah, well, I think it's a very good way of looking at it. It's a, it's a, it's not a happy way, but I think it's a descriptive way. And there is a, a strong element of dependency in the financial markets for these recurrent uh, and ever more potent bouts of stimulus. That word is the word the Fed uses. I'm not so sure it's ultimately stimulating. Uh, if you go back uh, just a generation or so, it's just 20, 20 years or so. Just go, uh, to the years uh, uh, 2000, 2001, 2002, the, during the uh, NASDAQ stock market's troubles, that you recall that was when the dot-com bubble burst. Mm -hmm. And the Fed weighs in and, and cuts its interest rate way down to 1%, I think it was the final low point, and uh, you know, buys some bonds to stimulate uh, bank lending and to... Uh, embolden bankers to proceed as business as usual. And um, 
So that was then, and long comes uh, 10 years later, to the, not quite uh, 10 years, 2007, 8, and 9. I expect that uh, no one in this broadcast has not, has not forgotten that. Yeah. Uh, and that, that, necessary, that, that called forth a much larger uh, dose of the same monetary medicine. And, um, you know, it's, it's a balance sheet, the, 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 the uh, level of so-called bank reserves, the uh, interest rates, uh, the, uh, everything was transformed through dramatic, radical monetary intervention. Um, and uh, so the year now is, let's say, uh, 2010. And Ben Bernanke comes out. He's on 60 Minutes. And... Um, he looks into the camera and in response to a question says, uh, yeah, we could, uh, we could raise interest rates and I, I could do it in 15 minutes if I had to. All right, so uh, let's push forward a little bit in time. And uh, it turns out the Fed has, uh, has chosen not in those 15 minutes, uh, innumerable portions of 15 minutes in the subsequent years to, to go out and raise its policy interest rate, which we call the federal funds rate. It still is zero or a fraction of 1%. And the Fed finds it inexpedient to act and to normalize things. And along comes and along come more troubles. And there's some intimation of those in 2018, still more in the fall of 2019. This eruption in the money market was kind of an inside baseball thing. Yeah. But still it was enough to cause the Fed to come out and buy $60 billion worth of treasury bills every month. And uh, finally, the bug bites, uh, our favorite virus, bites in uh, February, March of 2020. And the Fed is now doing things that, uh, my goodness, uh, grander and more radical in scope than even those of 2007, 8, and 9. So one wonders where it might end. Uh, but Phil, an answer, long-winded answer, your question. I might have said early on, I don't know, that would have simplified everything. But um, yeah. <laughs> on, on, on form, it will end uh, in an intervention big enough uh, to, jolt people's, uh, to jolt people's out of their complacency with respect to the nature of the dollar and the, uh, and the arc, shall we call it, an arc, the arc of monetary intervention and control. On a very dangerous path. Um, Jim, I'm going to throw in a little history. Um, yeah, I started in the bond business in 1978, and I think long term munis were, A rated munis were somewhere around 6% in 78, and then, you know, they began to go higher. And by 81, uh, well, I, let's see. Yeah, 81. I know Kentucky Turnpike Authority issued uh, some bonds, a big issue, $600 million. And um, they had some 13 and an eighths that, that actually traded as cheap as 88 cents on the dollar. And, uh, when the deal came out first Boston brought it out and we sold a bunch of them and I had to go to New York and pick them up in bare form and, 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 and literally brought them back to Louisville 
and slept with them under my pillow in the hotel and then made delivery at Citizens Fidelity Bank the next morning. But, you know, <laughs> it was, you know, I, so Paul Volcker was responsible for that. Uh, and Carter, one of the, I think, smarter things he did in his presidency. Well, was Volcker appointed in 79? Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, 78 or 79. Yeah. Um, might have been 70. The, the dramatic uh, Volcker policy began October 6, 1979, the date of his appointment. Well, because we're on radio, I can pre- pretend like I know just by Googling it, right? Who's going <laughs> to catch on to that? I thought you would have had that etched into your memory. but <laughs> well, Anyway, the, the, uh, yeah. the, meth- the, medicines, the medicine was high interest rates. I mean, it was what... Nixon should have done when he said whip inflation now rather than try to freeze prices and that kind of thing, you know, simply raise the level of interest rates, which Volcker figured out and did. And, uh, it, it did indeed break the back of inflation. And we have been in basically a bull market for bonds, um, since about, I don't know, 1982 or something. And, um, 81, 81. Yeah. The, the top was, uh, last, uh, uh, dregs of September, about September 30th, 1981. So next year marks the 40th anniversary, 40th anniversary of a bull market. Yeah. And, uh, uh, municipals were, you know, and I was trying to get everybody to buy discounts cause they wouldn't get called. And, you know, they all wanted to buy, uh, and and a lot of people didn't want to buy long-term bonds. They wanted to buy short-term bonds because the rate on those was even higher, you know, because the the curve was inverted. But, um, also because people had had come to, to understand in their bones, the interest rates only went up. Exactly. Just like they understood in their bones in 06, that housing prices only went up. You know, and, yep. and some, some things you really know. Yeah. <laughs> some things you absolutely know. Yeah. So, you know, people said, uh, well, why didn't you just buy a bunch of bonds back then uh, and just lock it in? Well, because nobody had any money. I mean, you know, <laughs> we've seen all this wealth created with the stock market going, I think it was around a thousand at that time on the Dow. You know, now it's almost 30,000 and, uh, interest rates were really high. Uh, only rich people had money. Uh, the average guy did not have a $600,000, uh, 401k. And so we've seen all this wealth created and all this stuff that's gone on in yours in my career. And, but it's come to something that is very eerie and, uh, seems rather strange and you know you know what's the strangest thing tom I, it seems to me is that the number that i that i just I, I i look at it and i know it exists but i can't absorb it and that's 17 trillion dollars worth of bonds worldwide that are priced to yield less than nothing yeah that and i don't get i don't get that I mean, if, if you when you were uh, trying to fall asleep with that uh stack of bonds under your pillow. Somebody said, uh, Tom, by the time, <laughs> by, the t- by the time you become a respectable g- gentleman of a, of a certain you know, considered age, 
uh, they'll be, uh, you know, creditors will be paying the debtors for the privilege of lending to them. You might not have uh, agreed with that. Uh, yeah, that's, us, but that, it doesn't make any what sense. Are the things, no, it doesn't. But think of all the things that have come to pass that don't make any sense. It's, it's really quite, uh, it's quite humbling is what it is. Yeah, it is. The only time we saw negative interest rates was when we were, uh, there were these housing bonds that issued zero coupon bonds and they would get trade above their accreted value. And if they got called, which they could call them at, at an accreted value, uh, you could, uh, theoretically get a zero interest rate. And I used to tell my friends, they're paying me to buy these bonds or I, I'm paying <laughs> them to buy these bonds. But anyway, um, yeah, it, it, it was, it just, none of it makes any sense. It, it's, it's very odd. Um, uh, and, uh, it, uh, is, it stretches one to, uh, accept its credulity. Yeah, you have to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, here, here's the, this is the hook right here for, for, for us for the first hour, first half of the hour. Yeah, that's the cue that we need to wrap up the first segment of a special edition of the Tom Dupree Show with Jim Grant. We will be back in just a few minutes. Coming to you from the Dupree Financial Studios on Main Street in Lexington. Boy, that was a mouthful. That was that a mouthful. Time. Woo! God, you we'll say be that? back in just a few minutes. Lord, Stay tuned. Me. New York, New York, these vagabond shoes are longing to stray. This week, the vaccine truly great news happened here. Operation Warp Speed. Breakup. Big tech. President Trump. Clearly voter fraud. You lost. Nancy Pelosi. Every day. Elected. Speaker designate. News Radio 630 WLAP. Hi, this is Tom Dupree with Dupree Financial Group. Many people have 401k and 403b plans for their retirement investment accounts. In certain cases, our firm can help participants in these plans manage their investments. This can be helpful because those retirement plans often offer numerous different mutual funds as investment options, and unless the participant is an investment expert, it can be quite confusing. In this case, we put our investment expertise to work for you, the participant. For a free analysis of your retirement investment accounts, call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturdays from 7 to 9 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP or WLAP.com. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. The iHeartRadio elves are at it again. Oh! iHeart Christmas Radio is better than ever. 100% Christmas favorites, commercial free. iHeart Christmas Radio can go anywhere you go with the iHeart Radio app. But this year, listen at home through your smart speakers. Hello. Just tell Alexa to play iHeart Christmas Radio on iHeart Radio. iHeart Radio, number one for music, radio, and podcasting, all in one app. iHeart Radio. 
Attention listeners, due to the sudden onset of the COVID-19 coronavirus, state and local officials are urging all people who smoke cigarettes or vape e-cigarettes to immediately quit smoking and vaping today. One way to stop smoking is with QuitGo, now available in your CVS pharmacy. Have you tried to quit smoking with nicotine patches, gum, Chantix, cold turkey, but still had no success? Then you need to try QuitGo today. Visit your local CVS pharmacy and receive our limited time special offer or visit us on QuitGo.com. I'm Trooper Northern with the Kentucky State Police. When working traffic in Kentucky, responding to crashes involving injuries or fatalities is a tough part of our job. When you're driving Kentucky roads, there is so much out of your control. What we do have control over is wearing a seatbelt. Less than two seconds. That's all the time it takes to buckle up. Why do we enforce seatbelt laws? It's not about writing tickets. It's about saving lives. A message from law enforcement officers across Kentucky and the Kentucky Office of Highway Safety. We'll have a mixed forecast out there for this Saturday with a cold front approaching from the north and west. That could fire off a shower or two out and about this afternoon and evening, but most should be staying dry. This cold front will also, though, keep a, the temperature split. For your afternoon highs, we'll have 50s, lower 50s around central and northern Kentucky, and then 60s to mid-60s as you travel further to the south. From the WKYT First Lord Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Adam Burniston. Broadcasting live 24-7 from the heart of Big Blue Nation. This is News Radio 630 WLAP, an iHeart Radio station. Looking around your law firm, it's hard not to be proud of what you've created. A respected brand with 20 associates who give their all every day. You have what it takes to go big. Everything except a plan. How will you expand your footprint or increase revenue? Lexicon makes it possible. Lexicon is a legal services and technology provider with over a decade of experience helping law firms scale and grow while maximizing billable hours and maintaining client satisfaction. Call 855-4-LEXICON or visit lexiconservices.com slash grow to learn more. Buongiorno. Buongiorno. Buonasera. Buonasera. How can I make the most of waiting for my next big vacation? Translate your questions into goals by investing with Merrill Edge Self-Directed. It's more accessible than you think with helpful planning tools plus free online stock and ETF trades. So you can keep practicing your pronunciation. Merrill, a Bank of America company. Visit MerrillEdge.com slash within reach to get started today. Investing involves risk. Merrill Lynch, Pierce, Fender, and Smith Incorporated. Registered broker-dealer member is IPC. Other fees may apply. Investment products are not FDIC insured or not bank guaranteed and may lose value. At home with Robert, retired burger and family man. Carolers! That's the holiday spirit. Speaking of which, Simply Safe Home Security is having a huge holiday sale. Right now, you can get 40% off a new system and a free camera at simplysafe.com slash holiday. That's 40% off the system U.S. News named the best of 2020. Simply Safe protects your whole home 24-7 with monitoring by professionals. The sale ends soon, so go to simplysafe.com slash holiday for 40% off and a free camera today. We live in uncertain times. It is not uncommon for investors to be fearful about the equity markets and what they may or may not do. At Dupree Financial Group, we are here to act as a sounding board for our clients and prospects as they seek to develop understanding of how to proceed with their investments. Since we are in uncharted waters, our efforts are to educate, guide, and empower our clients. Despite the unique nature of today's investment climate, there are parallels with past markets that can be drawn. We can share some of these ideas with you. 
For a free analysis of your retirement investment accounts, call the Prefinancial Group at 859-233-0400. And be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturdays from 7 to 9 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP. That's the Prefinancial Group at 859-233-0400. 630 WLAP. Welcome back to the second half of the Tom Dupree Show. Special edition we have with Jim Grant, Darsh Meshru, Philip Sexton, and Tom Dupree sitting in. Take it away, Tom. So you come back with Billy Joel. New York State of Mind. There's a scene in a movie called, uh, God, you just cut him right off. Uh, one of my favorite movies, Jim, The Pope of Greenwich Village. You know that one? I know. Well, I, I know of it, but I haven't seen it. It's it's Eric Roberts and um, Mickey Rourke. And uh, you know, they're, they're sitting in a bar after having been to the racetrack one day. And, you know, it's just, it's just, it's all filmed in Manhattan and, and uh, Monmouth racetrack and, and that kind of thing. Got to pull that one up on, on Netflix. Okay. Um, back to interest rates. Um, so something that you said in that manifesto uh, strikes me as being rather profound. That being the statement that the rate of interest is um, the most important um, number in, uh, in, in the commercial world and that, uh, it is no longer, uh, being set by the market or discovered in the marketplace. Rather it's being administered by the fed. And, um, to me, uh, you know, I, I remember when rates did get discovered, uh, I think it's been a little while since they have been discovered. If you think that QE was the beginning of them not being discovered. And, um, and I think that's what Philip was really asking. Are we truly in a commercial marketplace or are we in a manipulated marketplace? And, if so, uh, is there any exit from that? And I don't see one at the moment. Well, it's, it's to a degree it's manipulated. Uh, interest rates are, as we have agreed, are administered rather than discovered as prices ought to be. It's, it's a regime of price control. Uh, people don't call it that, but um, uh, for, I guess for PR reasons, the uh, price controls throughout history have always failed. They've led us to say they have always uh, uh, served to misallocate resources to uh, uh, to uh, 
fool people into doing things that they wouldn't have done had they had a clearer and truer uh, line of sight on on uh, the true cost of capital. So how it generally uh, ends, how the deck generally gets reshuffled, is in a bear market, and you know, money returns to its rightful owners, and uh, value is restored in the marketplace. And uh, so I don't, I don't think there's nothing really apocalyptic about this. I, I think that uh, what is worrying is the degree to which uh, the Fed has interposed itself and substituted it. Uh, uh, its uh, its rules uh, uh, and its own judgment for the collective judgment of the marketplace. You see that there's uh, a it's a it's an analog or a comparison that uh, we certainly in New York are suffering through, which is that uh, uh, the governor of New York, like the governors of other states, has taken it upon himself to institute kind of a one-man rule and you know, he exercises extraordinary powers. I mean, this restaurant must close, uh, no movie theaters allowed to open, and a church for uh, 10 people, 12 people, whatever. And so uh, you see the, the weakness of that, because he, the governor can't know everything. He can't know a great deal. And uh, why freedom tends to work and why collectivism tends not to work is because the people who run the collective don't have enough information. Yes, exactly. And the, tr and the trouble with these interest rates is that they – they obscure a very delicate and very troubling and costly uh, fact, which is that there has been a positive hyperinflation in the cost of retirement, right? So when, when the Fed drives down interest rates, which it has done in, in concert with central banks the world over, it drives up the amount of capital that, uh, Tom, uh, your clients need to uh, uh, to live on once they stop working. So let us say that interest rates uh, were uh, are let's say they're five percent, right? The, to generate fifty thousand dollars of income, one million dollars will suffice. That's a lot of money, even when you say it fast, as we do in New York City. But still, a million dollars at five percent gives you fifty thousand dollars a year. Now let's so chop that in half, <clears throat> two and a half percent. Now you need now you need two million dollars right. to retire. Right. Well, that's that's a bit of a stretch. How about one percent, where the ten-year Treasury note is not quite yielding? That's you need five million dollars. And let us say that these hotheads at the Fed get their way and they drive the drive these rates down to like one quarter of one percent. It's not that far away. You would need twenty million dollars to eke out fifty thousand dollars in income. Now. I'm not sure about Lexington, Kentucky, but I live in Brooklyn, and twenty million dollars is not easy to come by. No. <laughs> so, so the, the so these this is a very homely truth, homely arithmetic truth. But how many people are facing this? How many people confront this? How, when was the last time you heard Jay Powell talk about the cost, the high cost of low interest rates? Yeah. So this is a this is a, a very so if you are of uh, you know say you're, you're confronting the uh, confronting middle age, and you, and you need to plan for your retirement, for retirement income. So you're not going to, you, you can't settle for investing your money at one quarter of one percent, or as safe as that might seem. You take a chance, right? You go out and you you buy junk bonds that yield five percent or four and a half percent. You take all sorts of risks you might not realize you have just taken. And uh, so, 
it becomes, this investing business becomes a very problematic thing and a very risk fraud thing in ways, again, that many people do not confront. And they they got to talk to Tom Dupree about this. Oh, yeah. He's got <laughs> all the answers. <laughs> Darsh, you've, you have argued that the Fed didn't drive interest rates down low. The market did. Go ahead and throw that one out there. <laughs> that, uh Jim, you know, one of the arguments that uh, Ben Bernanke made, I think he wrote a paper about five years ago in which he says that the reason uh, why the Fed sets the short-term rates so low is because uh, he calls it the the Vexillion rate or the rate of equilibrium uh, is extremely low where if uh, interest rates were any higher, then that would drive up real interest rates and the economy would fall into uh, a depression or deflation. Um, and uh, the Fed really does not control long-term rates as much uh, as it does short-term rates. So uh, his argument was that you know the Fed has no other option because they have to set short-term rates. And since the equilibrium rate is so low, you know interest rates have to be close to zero. So do you think there's any uh, merit to that argument? I think I heard something I agreed with, and that is the Fed influences, but not does not absolutely control normally longer term rates. Uh, but I contend uh, that interest rates did not fall, but were pushed. And uh, I would uh, in I would uh, cite some of the observations from history. These are the lowest interest rates worldwide in four thousand years. There is a book called The History of Interest Rates by the late, great Sidney Homer. Sidney Homer of Solomon Brothers. Yeah, right. Solomon Brothers Hutzler. Hutzler. Please, Tom. I Hutzler, went to yeah. college and with Dep- Hutzler. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, he was from that family anyway. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, so these are lowest rates in uh, 4,000 years, and never before have we seen a substantial volume of securities price to yield less than nothing. That is a new thing under the sun. It's new to the tune of $17 trillion. And never before have we had central banks intervene repeatedly and predictably uh, to influence the entire uh, uh, array of interest rates, which in the trade is called the yield curve, short to long term. Uh, so I would say that the Fed actually, through its, uh, through its uh, what do they call it, uh, the setting expectations, or it's console tennis, we call it in the, uh, and informally, they, 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 they shoot their mouths off, right? and they and they tell you that they will uh, uh, not uh, uh, not uh, take kindly to rates uh, rising much above current ones, and so I I think the Fed has its thumb on the scale, and in consequence, people have gotten comfortable with these rates, and and also they have had the uh, uh, the, the muscle memory of two full generations of falling rates. So I think that yeah. I think it's not. Yeah. So it, 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 you know, what, what happened with people are of the view uh, and academics have tried to prove this, that markets are forward looking in a way it, it seems intuitive. And, and yes, at times markets do seem to see around corners and through walls. But if you get a trend that is running to 39 and a half years, whatever it is now, my goodness, that is well entrenched in the mind of the market. Right. So I think all of these things have, have, uh, have, have together um, influenced uh, 
a persistent downdraft in these rates, and it doesn't hurt that the Fed is buying whatever it's buying and $140 billion worth of this stuff every month, I think that's the number. Yeah. So, so I mean, Jim, I've got a question then on that, on that front too. Um, you know, because really what it seems like to me, and that this is, you know, I, I don't really have data necessarily to back it up, like hard data, but when you look at how inflation is created and, and what I've always surmised it down to, and I've said this on the radio a few times is it's, then it must be true. It's population. It's population <laughs> growth in a sense. So when you look at like the millennial generation, it, it's yeah. kind of like a golf ball going through a water holes where throughout their life cycle, there have been sectors of the economy that inflation has outran other. So, I mean, you, you think the millennial generation now, just like what you said, uh, Mr. Grant was that, you know, the, the cost of retirement, which is where the millennial generation is, is being inflated. The, the cost of senior, senior housing, the cost of, um, you know, medical, uh, what it needs, all of this stuff is inflating. And then when you look at generations behind the um baby boomer generation I, I think i may have said the wrong generation at the beginning but behind this baby boomer generation you know they're 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 like smaller golf balls so they're just sliding right through which to me seems like that's where the fed is trying to to jump in um and and really kind of price set almost in in a sense because it doesn't want to see these things deflate where there's less buyers almost kind of like um like a, a Japan situation where really the only thing that's kind of kept us from falling into that state has been, you know, immigration and, and, and other ways to grow the, the population size in the country, especially younger people. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So, so when you, well, um, yeah. I'm sorry, Phil. So what I was going to add is when you think of like the millennial generation and the generation after that, where you're actually starting to see, some growth in the size of those generations. Do you think that that could be a, a, a turning point moving forward to which like a, like a new golf ball going through the water hose where you return to these inflationary numbers going through the system where, you know, the, the fed can step back again and, and turn off yeah. the spigot. Well, every, you know, every, every, every time we get comfortable with a, a worldview and, and, and invest according to the, uh, dogma uh, of that particular worldview, the world is uh, kind of has a way of sneaking up on you and changing things around. And um, there is a, a book came out in August, and uh, the lead author is a man named Charles Goodhart, G-O-O-D-H-A-R-T. And Charles Goodhart is one of the great, uh, um, uh, great uh, statesmen of, of monetary thought and politics uh, and policy. He uh, advisor of the Bank of England and a professor at, uh, uh, at, uh, somewhere, uh, dignified, you know, uh, in, in the UK and, uh, Goodhart and his co-author contend that, uh, the title of the book is something about the great uh, demographic, demographic transformation. And their view is that worldwide, uh, the very forces that have worked to perpetuate the disinflation as it's called as low, persistently low measured rates of inflation, those forces are now giving way uh, to new ones that are going to provoke one of these inflations that uh, we identify now with yesteryear, with the 1970s, with uh, polyester suits, and with Jimmy Carter. 
Right. And, um, and it would, it would, in a way, you know, you know the way that uh, that markets tend to be in business to confound the majority of the observers and the investors who operate inside them, right? That's that's what sometimes you get a sense that there's a that the market is a is a is, is constantly on the verge of playing a practical joke on anybody who has money at risk. It would stand to reason in that yeah. uh, spirit that now there are $17 trillion worth of bonds in existence priced to yield. Not nothing, but less than nothing. And the world seems to be pretty much uh, uh, stuck with the idea that inflation is not only dead, but also decomposing. That would be the moment when things would change. Now, that is a very uh, facile and glib thing, I admit it. And furthermore, I confess that I have thought this so many unprofitable times before this very moment. Uh, there's nothing, nothing, you know, we, uh, unfortunately, the future is a closed book, not an open one. But I think that uh, it would not be so surprising if we look back on this time of, of great complacency with respect to the powers of the central banks and to the stability of rates at next to 0% levels. This is the time when the world is fixing to change the way it operates. So, uh, I am looking, as I have been all too accustomed to, over my shoulder at the next inflation rather than a new deflation. Uh, do you feel, uh, Jim, that before there is inflation, there needs to be a deflationary bust first, since we've been in a period of be, disinflation? Yes. Yeah, could be. It, it, it seems as if the, um, uh, in some ways, the the, the world would need a debt cleansing, wouldn't it? There's, right. um, uh, there's, uh, debt is famously a dead hand on production and growth. It is, uh, and, and the more debt that is issued and absorbed, uh, the, the less effective is that debt at raising economic growth. The, the, where the marginal product, the extra dollar of borrowing, is less and less yeah. effective at stimulating so um, it might just be that, Adarsh, uh, 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 that, uh, you know, that, that, yeah, they're, they're, but you know, the, the central bankers are fearful of so many things. They are fearful of bear markets and stocks. They are fearful of rising interest rates. They are fearful of uh, declining growth in, in the economy. And, and some of those fears are, of course, uh, we all share. But, um, uh you know, the, the lesson to me of the uh, depression of 100 years ago, coming next year, exactly 100 years, is that uh, uh, market forces themselves can be very effective at cutting short uh, uh, downturns. And uh, if you try to doctor the patient uh, with too much monetary medicine, you wind up uh, turning that patient into a chronic invalid. And I think that's what happens has happened to Japan, and that's what uh, could be happening to us if we Americans allow it to happen. But the, this uh, this constant Fed tinkering is introducing a, a you know, a, this is where I think we started the interview was a, a, a kind of a culture of financial dependency. You know, right. As soon as the stock market pulls back, you oh, oh, have to have to, have to buy more bonds. You have it's it's kind of uh, you know ironic. I, I thought that the President, your your book, the Forgotten Depression, the president who was in charge then, uh, Woodrow Wilson, you know, he followed uh, 
you know, he, he pretty much let the market decide. Uh, but he was also the person responsible for uh, the Federal Reserve at the same time. Um, I know. It. I, I, I wish he hadn't done that sometime. In fact, <laughs> all the time, actually, I wish. Well, we are coming to the end of the hour. And what a great treat for you to join us, Jim. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, Well, it's a, it's a great treat for me to hear abs, to hear authentic Bronx accents on the radio. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Well, we don't we don't ever want to disappoint. Yeah, we're 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 pretty Kentuckyized down here. Uh, speaking of Kentuckyized, don't, don't change a thing. Don't change a thing. Well, well, and you don't change either, and you keep New York all glued together up there. Get us through this. COVID. Okay, Elizabeth. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you, Ed Irish. Thank you, Philip, and thank you, Tom. Thank you, thank you, Jim. Thank you. Appreciate it so much. If you okay. like what you've heard, you can. Tune to our website. Tune to our website. I'm getting my mediums mixed up. Uh, DupreeFinancial.com. You can tune in and look at our blog. Jim, we'll send you a link to the podcast. Yeah. Okay, and great. thank you, Tom. So long. Right. That's Take a wrap. Care. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for joining us. This get safe and effective vaccines to the American people is what's happening. Give us the green light so that we can start distributing. Get the very latest. What do you think the president is doing? Incredible irresponsibility. Check in off. Send the Navy SEALs in there to daylight. <laughs> News Radio 630 WLAP. We live in uncertain times. It is not uncommon for investors to be fearful about the equity markets and what they may or may not do. At Dupree Financial Group, we are here to act as a sounding board for our clients and prospects as they seek to develop understanding of how to proceed with their investments. Since we are in uncharted waters, our efforts are to educate, guide, and empower our clients. Despite the unique nature of today's investment climate, there are parallels with past markets that can be drawn. We can share some of these ideas with you. For a free analysis of your retirement investment accounts, call the Prefinancial Group at 859-233-0400. And be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturdays from 7 to 9 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP. That's the Prefinancial Group at 859-233-0400.